America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. It is a great day when they are going to be doing a great vote on the uh, deal to solve the debt ceiling and uh, to allow the government to continue to function, to try to avoid a default and an economic catastrophe. There will be a vote on that uh, this evening. It is scheduled for 8.30 Eastern Time. Uh, that's Washington, D.C. time in the House of Representatives. And then after that, it looks like a done deal in the Senate. And this could be a very big triumph for the country and a very good news for the U.S. economy. There's also news on the political front. A new candidate is going to jump into the Republican fight for the nomination. It's a new candidate who promises to take the fight against President Trump to uh, the front of the national consciousness and is very eager to debate President Trump. Not sure that President Trump is going to participate in those first two debates. They're starting in August, so that's soon. Uh, one of the issues debated in this country right now is, um, is Joe Biden too old to be reelected? He would be 82 uh, at the time that he gets uh, sworn in for a second term as president. Well, there's somebody at age 83 who now is expecting a baby uh, with his 29-year-old girlfriend. Does that prove that uh, uh, Biden is uh, more eligible for service than uh, previously known? We will get to the story. It is not someone from the world of politics. It is someone from the world of Hollyweird, of course. And uh, we will also be talking about why is it that more and more American young people are graduating from high school but not choosing to go on to a four-year college or university. What actually has been going up has been the registration in community colleges, in two-year colleges, what people used to call junior colleges. Is this a bad thing or a good thing? And uh, there is more news about President Trump facing uh, some new indictments, this on different subjects having to do with the vote counting in Georgia, that uh, those indictments could come out as soon as August. Will this impact his campaign? And will his campaign be impacted by Mike Pence uh, letting it be known today that he is almost surely getting into this race? All of this going on and um, <laughs> all of it helping to move us forward a little bit uh, I hope past this uh, very scary situation with uh, the potentially devastating impact of a default, being unable to pay our bills, Social Security checks, that apparently will not happen. Why not? Because uh, from this issue, most Democrats and the overwhelming majority of Republicans uh, look like they are getting together to settle the debt ceiling and actually to make some progress on this question of irresponsible spending. Uh, the House Minority Leader, Hakeem Jeffries, uh, backs the debt limit agreement ahead of the vote tonight, and that's important 
because it will need Democratic votes to join with Republican votes in order to progress forward. In the Rules Committee, trying to get the thing to the floor, uh, there were two Republicans who voted no, uh, Dan Bishop of North Carolina uh, and uh, uh, Congressman Norman, pardon me, of uh, North Carolina and, uh, and also Congressman Roy of Texas. But the House Minority Leader, Hakeem Jeffries of New York, uh, said he will back the debt limit agreement and uh, that should provide enough Democratic votes so that with the majority of the Republicans who apparently are planning to vote for the deal, it should go through. This is clip 17. Very thoughtful, comprehensive, uh, clear-eyed discussion about the moment that we are in and, of course, about the importance of avoiding a catastrophic default. In that meeting, uh, I made clear that I'm going to support the legislation that is on the floor today and that I support it without hesitation, reservation, or trepidation. Not because it's perfect, but in divided government, we, of course, cannot allow the perfect to be the enemy of the good. And uh, in the Senate of the United States, there will also be bipartisan support, including from the veteran Senate minority leader, Mitch McConnell. Uh, Senator McConnell on the debt ceiling deal, clip 14. House Republicans' unity gave them the upper hand. They used it to secure a much-needed step in the right direction. When this agreement reaches the Senate, I'll be proud to support it without delay. And uh, so will his counterpart, the majority leader, uh, Charles Schumer. And uh, again, it's kind of surprising, given all of the polarization in Washington, to find people finally agreeing to get out of this terrible dilemma people were in, counting down to a default on June the 5th. Uh, they're going to get this settled before then. This is uh, Chuck Schumer, the uh, majority leader in the U.S. Senate, Senator from New York, clip 16. Once this bill reaches the Senate, I will move to bring it to the floor as soon as possible. Although the House still has more work to do, Senators should be prepared to move on this bill quickly once it is the Senate's turn to act. I cannot stress enough that we have no margin, no margin for error. Either we proceed quickly and send this bipartisan agreement to the president's desk or the federal government will default for the first time ever. Okay, and defaulting for the first time ever it's not just bad for the federal government. It would be bad for you and most of the citizens across the country. Newt Gingrich, who uh, has some experience in government shutdowns and then reaching compromises and actually getting us the closest we have ever been in recent times to a balanced budget, had this to say about the deal. This is clip eight. If you look at where we were going, which was the Biden position 
of no amendments of any kind, no negotiations, just keep raising the debt ceiling, keep go business as usual. <clears throat> and you look where over 100 days, uh, the House Republicans, who shocked the country by actually passing a bill that had real change, real reform, real cuts. This is the first step. Now, Republicans can decide it's a pretty reasonable first step, not everything they want, but it starts the game towards the balanced budget, towards appropriations this fall. Remember, what is McCarthy it, it did say, was establish a ceiling, not a basement. So you can cut from the ceiling down right. further. And uh, look, that is, is something that uh, can be done. Uh, so what next on the financial impact of this? And why is it that the American people, according to Gallup polling, uh, over 80 percent of the American people say they are dissatisfied with the state of the country? Uh, will this agreement uh, actually maybe move things in the direction of a better national mood, maybe a healthier U.S. economy? and a healthier response to the U.S. economy. We will get to that and to more and news of uh, Al Pacino and Chris Christie. No, there's nothing between them, but they're both in the news. We'll get to it coming up. 1-800. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, one of the parties that we have been waiting to hear from on the voting that is going to be taking place tonight in the House of Representatives, uh, they're talking about voting uh, Thursday or Friday in the U.S. Senate. Uh, both Chuck Schumer, the Senate Majority Leader, and the Senate Minority Leader, Mitch McConnell, are very eager to move forward with a vote to get this uh, issue of the debt ceiling and the possible default taken care of. Uh, the one thing that is fascinating about this is that uh, uh, Ron DeSantis, the uh, governor of Florida and uh, the main challenger to President Trump, has taken a very strong, very clear position against the debt ceiling uh, deal. And... Uh, the uh, headline in the New York Times, there's a piece by Jonathan Weissman. It says, DeSantis wading into debt ceiling fight puts pressure on Trump. The idea is that pressure, uh, Trump said that uh, they should go ahead and default. That uh, was one of the most controversial and, and least constructive things that he said in his town hall meeting uh, that, uh, that he had on CNN which uh, so many people across the country watched and were amazed at. And Trump didn't uh, say that he was in favor of a deal or not in favor of a deal. He just said that he thought that a default was inevitable and they should go ahead and default and it wouldn't be a problem. Now, that was before the deal was on offer, and he just hasn't expressed himself yet. Uh, it says in the New York Times, the decision by... Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida to oppose the debt ceiling agreement struck by Speaker Kevin McCarthy and President Biden injected presidential politics into the fraught effort to raise the government's borrowing limit uh, 
further dividing the Republican Party and pressuring other White House hopefuls to join the fight. Congress has just days to raise the borrowing limit before the government goes into default on its debt. That would most likely set off a global financial crisis, which would then call into question the full faith and credit of what has been the world's safest investment U.S. Treasury bonds and uh, potentially start a recession. Treasury Secretary Janet L. Yellen has predicted that uh, the extraordinary measures she has used to pay the government's obligations will be depleted by June 5th. The uh, deal sets aside the statutory borrowing limit for two years, ensuring the issue will not reemerge before the next presidential election, while imposing some caps on spending and some additional work requirements for food stamp recipients. But uh, as Mr. DeSantis, President Trump's oldest, uh, uh, closest competitor, tries to outflank him on the right, Mr. Trump will face pressure to follow the Florida governor's lead, especially if far-right Republicans make good on threats to end Mr. McCarthy's speakership over the deal. Uh, any one member of Congress under the deal that was made to make McCarthy speaker can go ahead and call for an immediate vote to continue the McCarthy speakership. Frankly, I think that what would allow that to to go forward is even if there are a handful of Republicans who would vote to end McCarthy's speakership, most Democrats wouldn't, uh, because they, you know, it it's it's just it, it's such a chaotic situation right now. The uh, and the idea that uh, Donald Trump has been much more on the side of, of McCarthy and backing him and backing him for speaker uh, than, uh, than Ron DeSantis, who seems to be taking the anti-McCarthy position. Uh, one of Mr. Trump's loudest surrogates in the House, uh, Representative Byron Donalds, Republican of Florida, has already come out against it. After I heard about the debt ceiling deal, I was a no, he wrote on Twitter on Monday, after reading the debt ceiling deal, I am absolutely no, that's in capital letters. But beyond that, Mr. DeSantis only, uh, beyond Mr. DeSantis, only the entrepreneur and writer Vivek Ramaswamy has come out against the deal. This is among presidential candidates. Uh, other Republican presidential contenders have stayed quiet, holding their fire, with the votes in Congress just days away. Senator Tim Scott, the South Carolina Republican uh, who entered the race last week, will have to vote on the deal if it uh, clears the House, when, uh, uh, which could happen as soon as Wednesday, but he has not divulged his position. I suspect strongly that uh, Senator Scott will vote for the deal. The idea that um, that Ron DeSantis is opposed to the deal, the question is, okay, if not this deal, then what? What is it you think is going to happen? Or do you take the position very differently? Uh, oh, well, breaking news. Uh, Senator Tim Scott, Republican South Carolina, said today 
just now that he would be voting against the debt ceiling plan struck between House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and President Biden as House Republicans get ready to vote on the bill later in the day. Uh, during an interview with Axios, Scott commended McCarthy for his efforts in negotiating with Biden, but the South Carolina Republican turned 2024 presidential candidate said he disagreed with a key aspect of the bill which would allow the debt ceiling to be raised through early 2025. The question I ask myself is at the end of the negotiation, is it in our best interest as a nation to allow Joe Biden, someone we cannot trust on spending, to have an open checkbook, no limit on the credit card until the end of his term, uh, Scott said during an Axios event. That, of course, is assuming that he gets voted out of office. This would actually just move this beyond the presidential election. Uh, I think it's a mistake politically and uh, in policy-wise for Senator Scott to take that position, especially given the fact that uh, it is almost certain to pass the deal uh, when it reaches the U.S. Senate. Uh, there are some uh, people close to Trump and particular economic advisors on the deal, uh, including Newt Gingrich, who uh, we, we just heard from. But Larry Kudlow, uh, the uh, uh, senior economic advisor to President Trump while he was president, a CNBC star, has taken a strong position on uh, the uh, debt ceiling deal. What is it? We will hear from Larry Kudlow coming right up on the Medved Show. Also, the relaunch of the DeSantis campaign in Iowa with the uh, Yale undergraduate and Harvard Law School graduate attacking elites. Yeah, he did. Uh, we'll get to that and more coming up on the Medved Show. One Michael Medved show. There is more breaking news about another presidential contender, serious presidential contender, uh, speaking out on the uh, the debt ceiling deal, but not not very coherently. I don't think uh, we will get to that in just a moment. Uh, Larry Kudlow, the uh, economic advisor to President Trump. Uh, who is one of the authors of Trumponomics, who, um, by the way, is back on TV, I think on CNBC, as he was before, perhaps at Fox. Uh, but Larry Kudlow uh, spoke uh, very clearly about the, uh, the, the debt ceiling deal and his support for it and the reasons that conservatives in particular who actually want to see reductions of spending uh, should uh, support this particular deal. This is clip five. FY24, the uh, McCarthy deal reduces substantially, substantially below the Biden budget proposal. This is for domestic discretionary, excluding veterans. But it's like $139 billion below the Biden uh, proposals, 
which probably would have been the CBO uh, baseline. And also, Mr. Scalise, is below the FY23 number, which is what Kevin McCarthy promised all along. So you've got big spending cuts and you've got promises kept, even though you have to compromise in divided government. Um, you know, I think the spending side of this is, uh, is outstanding. And, um, you know, I think folks should understand that. And, uh, yeah, it's important that people understand that. Uh, the, uh, the way that uh, the uh, New York Times summarizes some of the issues that are involved here, particularly with DeSantis uh, speaking very strongly against the uh, uh, debt ceiling deal, uh, they point out the deficits rose every year of the Trump presidency from the $590 billion he inherited in the 2016 fiscal year to $670 billion in 2017 to $780 billion in 2018 to uh, $980 billion the next year, then a staggering $3.13 trillion deficit in the uh, pandemic year of 2020. In other words, the last year of Trump's presidency, his uh, budget deficit was, well, what is it? It comes to like six times the uh, budget deficit that he inherited. I mean, the spending, had, because of the pandemic, had never gone up so quickly or so much. In all, budget forecasters say Mr. Trump added... 7.8 trillion in deficit spending over uh, the the years of his presidency through legislation and executive orders uh, in that four years that he spent in office that has given his rivals an opening that so far only Mr. DeSantis has taken. Uh, DeSantis criticizing President Trump for his spending and. Uh, and now Nikki Haley doing the same thing. Uh, Nikki Haley, this is a piece from the Washington Examiner. Uh, the Washington Post, first of all, says most Republican presidential candidates are panning the deal negotiated by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to suspend the debt ceiling, while the GOP frontrunner, President Donald Trump, has remained conspicuously silent after earlier... Uh, downplaying the impact of a potential default. Um, I think that given the fact that they are going to go forward and uh, approve this deal, that it is going to save a financial disaster, Trump is smart to remain silent on this. Uh, he would be even smarter if he uh, supported it, but we'll see about that. In any event, the Washington Examiner reports that Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley slammed former President Donald Trump and Governor Ron DeSantis, the two GOP frontrunners, for their debt limit support record as Congress scrambles to avoid a default on the nation's bills before June 5th. In an email to reporters, the Haley campaign attacked Trump and DeSantis for supporting a measure back in 2018 that increased the nation's debt ceiling. DeSantis, then a member of the House, voted for the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018, which Trump signed into law. 
In a statement, she called for the public to choose a leader that won't add to the nation's debt, a subtle acknowledgment that Haley needs to convince voters who are sympathetic to the two men to back her instead. The best way to fix Washington's spending addiction, she said, is to elect people who have not been part of the problem. Well, she only has not been part of the problem because she hasn't had a Washington job. Uh, her job was based in New York when she was ambassador to the U.N. and then, of course, in Columbia, South Carolina, when she was governor of the state. The best way to fix Washington's addiction, she said, is to elect people who have not been part of the problem, said the former South Carolina governor, quote, adding at least $4 trillion to America's $31 trillion national debt over two years without substantially cutting spending is no way to run our country's fiscal affairs. Business as usual won't get the job done. Um, was there overspending in the Obama administration, in the Trump administration? Uh, yes, both. Uh, and, and clearly there was, but part of that was particularly during the pandemic. Speaking of the pandemic, and uh, I, somebody who spoke out very strongly about the dangers of the pandemic and what was happening. Uh, former Governor Chris Christie of New Jersey plans to announce his candidacy in the 2024 race on next Tuesday, so six days from now. That according to three sources familiar with his plans. Christie, who also ran in 2016, didn't do well and has been outspoken against presidential front-runner Donald Trump, will make the announcement at a town hall meeting at St. Anselm College in New Hampshire. News of Christie's announcement comes after his allies recently formed a super PAC to support his expected GOP presidential bid. The group is called Tell It Like It Is. Well, that's uh, to contrast <laughs> with with Ron DeSantis' super PAC, which has never backed down. Okay, so Chris Christie asked, tell it like it is. That also launched a website to boost the former New Jersey governor's candidacy and said his presence on the GOP debate stage would ensure our party engages in the robust, direct, truth-telling conversation we need to start winning again. Uh, Christie reportedly sees himself as the only serious Republican candidate willing to take on Trump and as someone who can uh, appeal to enough independents to beat President Joe Biden in the general election. Uh, while Christie called a presidential run a huge risk at an event hosted by Semaphore in Washington last month, he said, if it turns out that I'm on a debate stage in August of this year, and Donald Trump decides to be on that same stage, you can be sure that we'll have some exchanges that I hope will be illuminating to the public about both him and me. Uh, yeah, remember Chris Christie took apart Marco Rubio and basically ruined his campaign? Uh, could he do the same to Trump? More coming up on The MedVed Show. And in a world that is as dangerous as dangerous, as frightening as any time I've seen it in my lifetime. There is only one indispensable.
And on the Michael Medved show, it's a real question about whether Chris Christie, who is outspoken about kind of everything, is going to take a position and a clear position on this debt ceiling deal. I mean, the fact that it is occurring right in the midst of his announcement of candidacy. He's uh, planning to uh, announce his candidacy six days from now. And that will be right after the Senate has voted and uh, right after presumably they have settled this debt ceiling deal. Why am I so confident, by the way? I'm confident about it because right now, according to all the reports, uh, among Republicans in the House of Representatives, there are 30 of the 222 Republican members of the House who are planning to vote against the uh, debt ceiling deal. And uh, what uh, Hakeem Jeffries, the uh, Democratic leader of the House, has said is that the uh, Republicans are going to need to come up with 150 votes, and he can take care of the rest. Now, if it is true, if they hold... Uh, uh, the uh, the the opposition to the deal to 30 votes, then uh, they will be up at around 190 votes, not the 150 that they need. So they have a 40-vote cushion, even with uh, a few more Republican Congress people peeling off. It looks likely to pass, and that seems to be what Wall Street is saying, and uh, it seems to be basically good news for the economy and for the country. The uh, There's a bit of good news from NBC that isn't particularly encouraging for Chris Christie, for the former two-term governor of New Jersey. There are a lot of people out there who particularly hold against Chris Christie. His uh, reaction to the uh, hurricane uh, that uh, that hit New Jersey and New York, if you'll recall, right before the election in 2012 when Mitt Romney was running against Barack Obama. And Chris Christie went out of his way to hug Obama when he came to tour uh, some of the devastation in New Jersey. And that was said to be a key element. I mean, if you look at some of the exit polling, it, it is absolutely true that his last minute just before the election handling of the hurricane in 2012 is part of what put Obama over the top to win what was a very close race with uh, Mitt Romney. In any event, Michelle Connell, uh, in a piece that ran in the Seattle Times, uh, asks a question about the Christie campaign. She says, so where does it go from here? Uh, most likely nowhere new except uh, unless someone steps up with a fresh approach to the Trump problem. Because so far, the pack of pretenders to former President Donald Trump's MAGA throne uh, reeks of weakness, every one of them. And nothing delights the MAGA king more than curb stomping the weak. A presidential field without a strong front runner invariably invites a pile in of challengers. Every Tim, Nikki, and Vivek, and Asa, Doug, Larry, Mike, Chris, etc. 
surveys the scene and thinks, heck, yeah, why not me? Why not indeed? Given the topsy-turvy state of the political terrain, is it really much more ridiculous for Vivek Ramaswamy, the upstart tech entrepreneur, to think he has a shot at the nomination than for Mike Pence to think he has a shot? No rampaging MAGA mob has ever brayed for Vivek's hanging. So in some regards, he has a critical edge on the former vice president. Uh, fueling the frenzy, twitchy donors are casting about for a more promising champion than DeSantis, pressuring their favorite white knights to join the tournament. Listen closely and you can hear the phones ch uh, chirping in the offices of popular Republican governors such as Christian Nunu in New Hampshire and Glenn Youngkin in Virginia and Brian Kemp in Georgia. If Republicans are serious about dislodging Trump, she writes, uh, this race needs a jolt soon. No one knows exactly what might do the trick, but those weary of groveling before Trump would do well to start experimenting for the sake of their party more than even their own ambitions. At the very least, someone needs to climb into the ring with the willingness and disposition to throw a direct punch, metaphorically, of course. To pull this off, Christie would need to go all in on his no-nonsense, in-your-space, in-your-face, uh, Jersey tough guy shtick. Uh, the one where he yells at people to sit down and shut up and quash the sycophantic streak that had him smooching Trump's backside for years. He could go bully a bully with the former president. Things could get interesting in the first time in forever. In 2016, no Republicans went hard at Trump because no one took him seriously. This time, most are too afraid of him. They're still hoping to find some magical way to woo his voters without his noticing or fighting back. And no, it's, it's not going to be that simple. Uh, there, uh, uh, there is more on what is happening and will likely to happen uh, with this uh, debt ceiling deal which probably will not be uh, something that uh, divides Trump from the other crowd, uh, be partially because Trump is not taking a strong position on it right now. He's uh, busy with other things and other focuses. Uh, Lauren Boebert, however, has her position ready to go. The Congresswoman from Colorado, clip six. So Speaker McCarthy did his part to try to do their jobs for them, but now the House has even more work to do because, let's face it, the deal ain't so great. And here's the problem with it. The bill Biden negotiated fuels inflation, adds trillions to our debt, and leaves a blank check for more of the same nonsense I came here to stop. I am not for an unlimited debt ceiling increase. As presented today, I'm voting no. That's why I'm pushing right now to make sure this new bill is allowed to be debated and amended, if not killed entirely. Okay, and then what? Default? Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, the uh, Democratic uh, leader of the House, speaking to reporters in the halls of Congress about 
what he believes lies ahead. Tonight, they're going to be voting on this bill in the House of Representatives. Here is Congressman Jeffries, the Democratic leader. Right now, we're focused on making sure that we avoid a catastrophic default, that we don't allow the extreme MAGA Republicans to crash the economy and trigger a job-killing recession, which to this day, many of them clearly want to do because they believe that it is in their political interest in 2024. That is incredibly irresponsible, it's unpatriotic, okay. and it's un-American. Nobody, and I'm nobody thankful wants for President Biden's leadership in making sure that he protects the U.S. economy. Okay, nobody uh, uh, in the Republican side, in the MAGA leadership, wants to crash the economy. I do think that uh, there is a foolish confidence on the part of some Republicans to, uh, to believe that if the economy does crash, it would all be blamed on Biden. I, I mean, I think if if they had the kind of crash they're talking about, which is a much worse economic recession than we experienced in 2008, uh, it would be um, something that would be devastating. They're talking about losing 8 million jobs uh, within a year and going from a situation where uh, it's very easy for people to go into the workplace and to get work and to get work at some decent jobs. It's one of the reasons that fewer people are going to college. We'll get to that. But uh, that would all change and change for the worse. And I think the idea that this would be exclusively blamed on Joe Biden and that it would be a solid ticket to GOP victory is wrong. I think the, the anger and the indignation at the entire political system would mean that there would be even less approval of it than there is right now. We'll get to that question of approval. And where is the heart of the country going? And uh, what does that mean for this up and down presidential race? We'll get to all of that in this greatest nation on God's green earth.